Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks for listening in on another episode. Or if this is your first time stopping by, I'm grateful to have you. This podcast is all about the getting started moments, the turning points that got each guest started on a new path toward happiness, the ups and downs of the journey, how they were able to commit to a change, and all the lessons learned along the way. I hope you all enjoyed this particular episode, so let's jump right in and get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Miracle Olatunji, who is the founder of Opportunity and the author of the book Purpose. She is a public speaker, content creator, entrepreneur, nonfiction writer, and author of Purpose, How to Live and Lead with Impact. She is the founder of Opportunity, a mission-driven company that helps people and organizations to realize and reach their full potential. She's also building her wallet media, an inclusive and shame-free platform to help women build their net worth, network, and self-worth. Miracle attends Northeastern University, where she's pursuing her bachelor's degree in finance. She's also been honored as a young futurist and game changer by The Root Magazine, one of the 25 under 25 by Bostino Magazine, and one of the 20 under 40 Young Shapers of Business and Entrepreneurship by Britannica. She is also the 2021 recipient of the Earl Nightingale Scholarship by the National Speakers Association Foundation. Her work has also been featured in Forbes, Technical.ly, the CEO Library, the Female Lead, as well as many other publications. I really enjoyed this wide-ranging conversation with Miracle, and I hope you do as well. So without further ado, please welcome in Miracle Olatunji. Miracle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm really excited to chat with you. I, I had your sister on um, a while back, which was fun. Now, remind me, you're are you the oldest? Oldest sister. Oldest I have sister. an older brother. Who's an older you. brother. Okay. Yeah. And then and then Deborah is a twin. Is there? Am I remembering this correctly? Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's good to have you. I, I'm I'm excited. I don't know. I, I would love to have been a fly in the wall growing up in y'all's household because <laughs> I'll tell you what, all all you're doing some cool stuff and obviously different in your own right. And and I'm really curious to learn about your journey here and um and kind of all the different things that you're into. I, I wanted to start here if we can. I'm going to give you a very kind of blanket question because I'm curious your thoughts around purpose, right? I know this is something important for you to, to kind of chat about. So when did you discover your purpose in life or, or have you fully discovered it and you're still on that journey? That is a really good question. So what I always say about purpose is it's something that can change over time. You know, it's not like, oh, I found my purpose. It just like falls out of the sky. No, that's not how it happens. You find your purpose through actually taking action and identifying what are the things you're passionate about and going out and pursuing them. So for me, I would say in this point of my life, Wow. I mean, for me, I like to use my platform to inspire others. So whether that's through public speaking, whether that's through creating content, whether that's just like having conversations with people, mentoring people, for me, that's what is really fulfilling and what I love to do. And I feel like that's a big part of my purpose and my why. When did you uncover that? Was there, do you remember like maybe a point in your life as you, when you were younger that you kind of said, this is a path I, I kind of want to get down. You know, maybe it's something that I, I feels good inside to, to explore that. 
Yeah. So funny story about that. Actually, I wanted to be a doctor growing up and I was very much pursuing that path in high school. I was volunteering at the hospital. I was talking to doctors and trying to learn more about the profession, but it all changed for me in my junior year of high school. When I did this program, you might be familiar with it. It's called the diamond challenge. And it's an entrepreneurship program hosted by the University of Delaware. And so through that program, I started learning about entrepreneurship. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to be a doctor was I always said I wanted to help people. And I realized that with entrepreneurship, you can do that. You can do that through business. You can do that through your nonprofit, whatever it is that you do, you can create something that helps other people. And I thought that was so amazing. I remember meeting people from all over the world and hearing about the problems they're solving and the ventures that they're building. And it just made me really excited and got me into that space. Was there one thing in in specific that sparked the interest when you were taking that program? I think it was just really cool to see people who were my age and younger because I was like 17 at the time and I was meeting people who were younger than me, same age, who were creating these incredible ventures. And I just, I learned from that experience not to limit myself based on my age. So that was a really like transformative experience in a mindset shift as well. Well, and I think one of the things that's important, because I didn't have, you know, I'm I'm a lot older than you. So I didn't have this growing up where it's like, you know, I, I felt like sheltered, um, where it's like, I didn't have the entrepreneurs around me. I didn't have the folks that were kind of change makers, if you will. Can you share a little bit, and maybe it's part of the, the diamond challenge, but even with your family, you know, some of the, the dinner talk or some of the opportunities you got into, like, because it seems like your whole, I don't know what your brother's doing, but I see what what your, your, you know, what your sisters and stuff are doing is like, you guys are like trying to change the world in such a positive way. How did that happen? Like what, tell me about the family life a little bit and and some of the lessons you learned, um, you know, in that dynamic, if you will. For sure. Some of my, well, most of my family is in healthcare, but my mom and my grandma are very entrepreneurial. My mom has started several businesses. My grandma owns a business back in Nigeria. And it's just really inspiring to learn from these two women who are business owners. And as I started getting more into this space, I started learning about people like Sarah Blakely and other people in the next gen community who are starting businesses. And it just was really great to have these role models to look up to. Did your, did your mother like, um, share the stories of her triumphs, her struggles, her day-to-day? Like how, how much did she include her work in in kind of the family life? Oh yeah, I was kind of in it with her. I remember um, I'd be packing items with her and going to her different meetings with her when I was still little. So that was really cool to experience that growing up. And did she like, um, I, I don't know, you know, if there's any lessons there, because I, I look at this as a parent. So I have a nine-year-old and I look at this as like trying to get him to think differently, you know, about the world, similar to some stuff you went through. Was there any exercises your mom went through? Or was it more just, hey, you're going to join me on some of these uh, endeavors and, and you're going to pick it up through osmosis? Or how, how did that work? Um, I think it was kind of a bit of both. <laughs> so on the osmosis side, it was kind of like these subtle messages or like sometimes it was direct, but more subtle messages of how you need to learn, you know, how to be independent how to be a creative thinker and all these different skills that you need to learn. So that was something that my mom kind of instilled in me through working on her business and also being able to work on some of the projects with her. It was cool to be in it and just learn firsthand on what it takes to run a business and the passion and the time and the effort that goes behind it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this around, so writing, now I noticed you published your first, was it your first book a couple of years ago? First one, yes. What made you, because I, again, the, the writing part, especially at your age, uh, 
just thinking through, hey, I'm going to publish a book and then the writing process and going through all that. Why was it important for you to, you know, kind of to write and say, I want to get this on paper. I want to share this message with the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I have all these ideas in my head and I knew that by putting it on paper, I would make it more tangible. And also by making a book, I could reach more people. Uh, over the past few years, I was just having this conversation with someone the other day, actually. Sometimes I go through and I look at my analytics and I see where people are buying the book from. And I've seen like Mexico, I've seen India, I've seen all these different countries where people are buying the book. And it just really shows how um, the book can be such a powerful way to, to share a message with people, even people who are far away from you. So that was really inspiring to see. And a big motivation for why I wrote the book was because I wanted to explore this topic of purpose and share these lessons with other people. Did you have any specific process you went through on writing? Or was it just kind of throw some words on paper and eventually it kind of worked out or... So something that really helped me was accountability. Like definitely you need accountability when you're writing a book. So I had someone who I had my editor and I also had a book coach as well, mm -hmm. who every week we would have check-ins and I would talk with them about my goals. At the beginning of the week, I would say what my writing goal is. And at the end, we would check in and see if I achieved that goal. And we'd evaluate, like if I didn't achieve it, what were the problems or what are the challenges that I ran into and just make a plan for the next week. And so having that accountability was really helpful for me um, in eventually completing the goal. Did you have um, like checkpoints? Did, did you have, I guess, a date far in the future of when y'all want to get done? And then you hit those checkpoints throughout? Is that how you did it? Yeah. So that also helped like that deadline pressure <laughs> helped a lot as well. And then well, the checkpoints in between. Well, yeah, because I find like if you don't put anything, it's like, ah, I'm going to write a few hundred words today or, you know, whatever. And you kind of go down the path. And if you don't have an at least some sort of checkpoint in the future, it's hard to even know, like, where am I at? And plus to the the whole Parkinson's law where like, you know, time expands the field of work to needed for its completion. Like we could we could pump out and say, oh, it's a year. I'll get it done. Well, you could have said four months and probably could have got it done in the same spot, you know. So I think it's it's helpful to have those um those uh, checkpoints in the future. Are you, are you writing any other books right now or what do you, what, are you taking a pause on that or? Uh, so right now I've been doing a lot of freelance writing for okay. like startups and nonprofits. And in the future, I wouldn't want, I want to write another book, but for now I just am working on other writing projects. It, it, so anyone else that wants to write or has thought about it, any encouragement or advice you'd share with them, maybe some things to help them get started. Yeah, honestly, just just what you said, just get started. Honestly, sometimes there have been moments where I would sit in front of a blank document and put so much pressure on myself to write the perfect words. That's not real. Perfectionism is not real. You're not going to get a perfect draft on the first try. And you kind of just have to be okay with that and just put your thoughts out on paper. You can edit them later. I My book, honestly, was a process of writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting over and over again and iterating. So you just have to understand that's part of the process and be okay with it. Yeah. So what are you seeing out there now? And well, I'll, I'm going to kind of pull, I'm jumping around here because I think there's some really interesting stuff we can explore. Um, one of our mutual friends, Rich Keller had a question. Yeah. He wanted to, he, he, I, I, I reached out to a few folks. He, he had got back to me. So um, I'm going to read it verbatim. What one thing does the world meet, need more of right now? So first of all, I love Rich. He's been such an incredible mentor to me. And I was able to discover my one word, which is visionary. So um, to answer Rich's question, I would say the one thing that the world needs right now is more empathy. 
um, because we all come from different backgrounds and we have different experiences. And it's very important to um, just be more accepting and think, especially given that we've just, we're climbing out of this pandemic, just understanding that we're all human and everyone has their own struggles. So it's very important to just be kind. And even if it's just smiling, like that can really make someone's day, asking them how they are, you know, just being more concerning and kind to the humans around you. Do you know when you when you say empathy, are you because I'm I'm looking like generationally, right? In terms of like I'm an older millennial, right? You're in the in the Gen Z group, um, if I recall, right? I think you're in the Gen Z group, right? Um, you're right in the cusp, I think. But like the oldest what, Gen Z. Oldest, <laughs> <laughs> what are is there a difference? I don't know if you have a chance. Are you talking with older folks as well? Like, do you see a a, a gap there of empathy from one generation to the next or have you been just focusing on one group or? Mm, that's a really good question. I think especially for our generation, for Gen Zers, we have social media. So we have the opportunity to see other people's lives. And we kind of feel like we know each other just because you constantly see someone popping up on your feed. But one thing that I'm starting to see is the conversation around your highlight reel versus your real life and understanding that as a human being, you go through the highs and the lows. And so I think social media has made it a little bit different for us in terms of empathizing with one another. Um, yeah. Do you feel, especially because you're out on, on social media a good bit, you talked about that, you know, because I was, I was actually talking about a friend where this is hard even to say, but I'm actually going to, we're having our 20 year high school reunion, which is wow. just amazing. I know I can't believe I've been out of high school for 20 years. Um, but it was like, okay. Cause you feel like a lot of these people that you went to high school with, even though I'm from upstate New York, I don't, I haven't lived in New York for 20 years that you kind of know some of them still just from following along, you know, on Facebook or, or these other platforms. Um, but I also, to your point, it's like, we only see the top 5% of people's lives. Now, some, obviously some people share and they're vulnerable with stuff as well, but a lot of times it's always that highlight reel. So I guess, how do you, how do you navigate that yourself? And then how do you coach others to navigate that? Because that, that can bring a lot of depression to people that can bring a lot of anxiety of like, Hey, I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Anything that you would share with folks on, on how you've uh, handled it, I guess, or maybe you're, you're, you're in the thick of it trying to handle it. I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> so you're exactly right about that. So when it comes to the highlight reel versus real life, take social media breaks. That's something that I do. Sometimes I'll delete Instagram off my phone. I'll delete TikTok and try to have more real world experiences. And then another thing to think about is the topic of comparison, because I feel like at the root of all this and what can really cause you to feel sad when looking at other people's highlight reel is the comparison aspect. And so one thing that I say to myself is the only fair comparison that you can make is you past and you present. So even looking at yourself a month ago, you've definitely changed. Even in the past day, you've changed. And so comparing your past to who you are now is the best way that you can kind of combat that comparison. Because a lot of times when you compare yourself to someone else that you see on Instagram, you don't know their story, you don't know their struggles, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So it's only fair to compare you and you, not you and anybody else. To that point, are you doing anything? uh, Maybe it's along the lines of, you know, sometimes it could be journaling, sometimes it could be thinking or sitting in thought. Um, I tend to do, but because that's the whole thing. When I talk to a lot of folks, the challenge sometimes is, well, something happened a month ago, let's say, and there's mm-hmm. all this crap going on in their lives and they repeat the same thing a month later. And it's like, they, you haven't learned. Um, how do you 
kind of make sure you are evolving and becoming a better person? Is there any practices that you do to, to kind of check in with yourself? Yes. So I smiled when you mentioned journaling, because that's the number one way that I do that. I have two journals that I'm almost through for the year, at least two. And this is honestly the first place I go whenever I start feeling like that comparison, especially, or when I start feeling not enough, I write it out in black ink. And then in blue ink, I write down some of the things that I've been learning. So when I talked about the highlight reel versus real life, I write that down for myself as a reminder, Mm -hmm. because even though for me, like, obviously it's easier said than done for all of us. So I just sometimes need that reminder for myself. So in blue ink, I'll go and write reminders and like affirmations for myself to remind myself of these facts. Do you journal at any point during the day? Do you have a certain time where you sit down and do it? Anytime. (laughs) I've tried doing like, oh, in the morning, I'll wake up and journal, but I just kind of let it flow whenever I need to do it. I just do it. And are you writing because so this will you may be able to relate to this where like, there's just ideas, forget this comparison stuff and emotions like ideas just float through your head. Are you writing those down in the same journal? Or is that a different book? How How do you separate just all the idea, you know, the ideation in your head going on. Mm-hmm. So for ideas, I just use a note on my phone in the notes app. I'll just okay. open it up and type in the ideas there. Okay. Um, and then you, you mentioned a word there, which I haven't really gotten too much is affirmations. Oh yeah. <laughs> C- can you share a little bit about why affirmations are important to you, what you get out of them? Mm-hmm. For me, I think of affirmations as kind of like food for the mind and the soul. So you know how you nourish your body, you can nourish it with good food, you can eat junk food. With affirmations, I think of them as like healthy food for your mind. So you're saying positive things. Oftentimes you combat those positive things with negative affirmations that you're having. And for a lot of us, we tend to be more, most of the thoughts that we think about ourselves can be more negative if we're not mindful of them. So with affirmations, it helps you become mindful of your thoughts and then say more positive things, feed your mind with more positive things. And and do you get really specific on those or are they more broad? And if you're, if you're comfortable sharing it, maybe share one you had recently, just so folks can get, cause I think sometimes you can, we can probably skew them to make them sound good, but then they never actually have any action to them. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So a common problem that I've been hearing a lot of people and in conversations I've had, a lot of people mention that they struggle with imposter syndrome. So one affirmation that I have whenever I start having those feelings of imposter syndrome is I am worthy of the space I take up in this world. And like, you constantly have to remind yourself that, you know, you're qualified, you know, you deserve to be here, all these different things. Mm -hmm. So it's not really that you're lying to yourself. It's more so a reminder of, you know, these things that are true. Mm. Speaking of that a little bit, I want to go back to give another shout out to Rich, um, because when we worked on our one word, so so my one word is a navigator. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're a visionary. What when you went through that, what was your aha moment? Because I know you kind of work on the, the, you know, going through that with him as well, you kind of work on the word together and and stuff like that. But was there an aha moment you're like, ah, I am a visionary, or at least you knew you were going to lead to something around that as a word, or something Mm -hmm. close to that? Anything specific you'd call out that Mm -hmm. you uncovered? Well, so when it comes to the exercise and my aha moment, so one thing I noticed was a theme of, I kind of have always been entrepreneurial without knowing it. 
Um, I know I started like my first business when I was 17, but even before that, I had started other things that were meant to address like issues in the world and try to solve problems. And I've always kind of had this vision for how I want the world to be. So when you ask me, like, what do you think the world needs more of? Empathy is a really big one for me because I'm very passionate about you know, making sure that people feel welcome and included. So that's kind of my vision for the world. And so it kind of made sense as I was going through the exercise with Rich, like I'm the kind of person who I have a vision and I want to do things to try to bring it to life and make it a reality. So it kind of just clicked for me. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like I'm a visionary. (laughs) So that was a really great exercise to go through. Isn't it pretty amazing? Like going through that, just how like you really got to think deep of like, oh, I didn't realize how the dots connected yes. with a lot of things um, mm-hmm. that I was doing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. And and again, Rich is an awesome person. So we'll give him another shout out. So um, what other, are there any other habits, routines? I, and I know you're in college now, like you have all this stuff going on. How, how do you keep sane throughout the day? How do you juggle stuff properly? Give, give me an idea of what, what routines and habits that have been helpful for you, or maybe ones you've tried that haven't worked. So I remember it's what November now. I can't believe it's already, almost the end of November. So last month I was starting to feel a lot of stress with school and everything was kind of feeling overwhelming. And I was like, I need to start going to the gym. And I initially thought, okay, I'll start going to the gym in January. It'll be a New Year's resolution kind of thing. But then I thought to myself, why not start now? So I started going to the gym and that has been a really helpful thing for me in terms of mental health, physical health and energy levels too. So that's something that has been really working for me. Starting off my day, going to the gym, I try to go three to four times a week. um, And that's been really helpful. Okay. And you'll just block out time first time, first part of the day, get it out of the way kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. And I'm okay. trying to become a, what is it called? An early bird, oh. a morning person. <laughs> and so that trying, is trying to become meeting. That was never your MO. I I'm, I'm really good at working late into the night. So okay. I'm trying to like reverse that and be more of a morning. Person. Do you, I'll actually, I'll throw this out to you. Do, do you, and I, cause I look at this, I didn't realize this until I was probably well into my early thirties around how important sleep is to the body to 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 your mind all that stuff do you understand do you and maybe it's i'm saying like you like the generation like understand like sleep and stuff like do you because i know with college and all these other stuff yeah you could just kind of burn the all-nighters and you still feel good like i'm curious how you prioritize sleep is that something you think about a lot or or not as much because you're like i don't know i'm just rolling you know Mm -hmm. Honestly, this year is when I shifted a lot of things and sleep was one of them. I started to realize just like what you were saying, how important sleep is. And I've started this, like, I call it a wind down routine where I'll, (laughs) I'll like get lavender. I have this lavender electric candle that I turn on. Um, Sometimes I'll play relaxing music and I'll turn off my phone. I try to turn off my phone at least 30 minutes before I go to sleep, but it doesn't always happen that way. But I try Um, and just try to create ways to wind down and like just rest my mind and get into that mode of, okay, it's time to sleep. It's time to calm down. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you look at the... I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Like, it's not a time of like, I need X amount of hours. It's more for you as, Hey, if I can at least get a full night, if I, for me, a full night's rest is probably not tossing, turning or waking up or whatever. It's kind of like, I just got to get, you know, a get through the period. I can't pull an all nighter would be a bad thing. 
I'm so glad you mentioned that because all of my life, I thought you had to get a certain number of sleep. But to your point, it's actually quantity or quality over quantity. So sometimes you could sleep for eight hours and still feel like you didn't sleep at all versus if you get five hours of sleep uninterrupted, you'll feel really good. So in my in my case right now, I'm working on trying to get more quality sleep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I, have you ever read the book, Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker? Mm-mm. You you might enjoy that. It's really it's really good because what it talks about is all the things that that you're um, alluding to is all the things to get you prepped for a good night's rest. The temperature mm-hmm. being at a certain thing, putting technology away. X, you know, I think they I think the recommendation is sixty minutes before. I, I go about thirty, but like all of that, the, those things to um, to get your body prepped for sleep. And if you do that ultimately you're in a better you know, state to sleep. Yeah, that's a, that's a great book. Anyone listening in, Why We Sleep uh, yes. by Do- Dr. Matthew Walker. And he's got a new podcast out as well that's not that bad. He really tries to break down in simple terms sleep and, and some of the, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of information out there on it. And there's still a lot of new research as well. Mm-hmm. So um, my friend, um, I can share this with you even, maybe I can put it in the chat. My friend told me about this, this Ted talk where someone was talking about seven types of rest. Okay. So there's like the napping, there's also emotional rest, mental rest, social rest. Really good. I'll, I'll share the article with you. Yeah. I'll, uh, I can just tell you, said it's called seven types, seven of, rest. types of rest. I, yep. I bet I can pull it up here. Um, let me see if I can pull up here as we're talking. We'll, uh, we'll do this real time. Okay. I don't have young Jamie like on the Joe Rogan podcast to be able to pull this, <laughs> this stuff up for me. So I got to do, do it myself. Seven okay. types of rest, TED Talk. There we go. There's an article on it. Okay. And I'll, so I will, um, I'll link this up in the show notes. Dr. Sandra Dalton, it looks like. No, yep. maybe. Not. Is that it? Okay. That's right. Exactly. Uh, perfect. So I'll, I'll link that up in the um the uh, the show notes yeah i mean i think just sleep in general is just you know again i look back man if i not that you know would i've changed anything i don't know you know sometimes is you know in the your your 20s you kind of think you you know you have the world in, in your hands and you can do anything but uh i think sleep has been one of those things as i prioritize it more it helps you work out better it helps your mental state it helps you do all these other things you know which is pretty cool so um well, so let me ask you this on, because I, I don't want to fail. We talked about your, your, your mother and your grandmother and obviously your, your you know, siblings and stuff. How important have support systems been? And you could take your family or you can talk about, you know, friends and mentors and stuff in terms of checking calls with them in terms of, you know, maybe throwing ideas back and forth in terms of them just being free. How important has that been? How have you leveraged those relationships Um, to help you both when you're doing good or when you're maybe not in the best mental state? Yeah, for sure. In my opinion, mental support, emotional support, business support, all of that, any type of support and community is the most important thing for a business owner. Because like you said, there's going to be highs, you're going to need people to celebrate with you. But there's also going to be low points where you're struggling and you feel like you hit a wall and you need someone to talk to. So that's been really helpful to me. I've leveraged networks from school. I'm part of different networking groups and communities like NextGen has been really helpful to me. I've met incredible people like Rich, who we talked about, and several other mentors through Next 
Next Gen. I'm part of this program called Management Leadership for Tomorrow, and I have several mentors in there who I love that we not only just talk about professional stuff, but we also talk about the personal side too. We talk about mental health and relationships and life and all these important topics, because I think it's really important to know that as a founder, you're not just a business person, you're also a human being. So support community is everything. Now, did I see that? I might be wrong on this, but are are you in the new Next Gen book or no? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. I thought I saw that, right? Congrats. Tell me about that process. How did did you get in there? What did you write in there? I haven't haven't got the book yet. Yes. So. So, okay, let's see. Someone from the team reached out to me a couple of months ago, and they had some questions for me that I sent by email. Let me see if I can... Sorry. That's okay. You don't have to pull it. No, no big deal. You can, okay. you can kind Just of like refresh my mind. Yeah, what I said. Right. <laughs> um, so I, to my understanding, they were creating a book and it was meant to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs. And they were featuring well-known entrepreneurs. They're also featuring up and coming entrepreneurs. And so I felt really honored to share some of my experiences and some of the things that I've learned on my journey so far. Um, and then some advice, some role models that I look up to resources, things like that. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, that's, they're such a great group. I mean, they've been instrumental the last couple of years, obviously, a lot of the people I've met, you know, you and I probably wouldn't have met through it, or at least gotten connected with with the people that we know. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's a pretty, pretty awesome group. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about the kind of the mental health side just for a minute, because again, you have all these, you know, kind of balls you're juggling throughout the day. How do you when you get into a rut? Are there anything, anything you do to get out of it? Anything that you, maybe you'd share with folks that get stuck or struggling that have helped you kind of get out of there and get back to, you know, base level, if you will, or. Mm. So for me, I like to get things out of my head and out. So I do that either through journaling, which we talked about. I also go to therapy as well. That's been really helpful. Mm. And going to the gym, I I believe it's like endorphins, dopamine, all these really happy chemicals that you release when you're at the gym. It really helps you. And I notice that on the days when I go to gym, go to the gym, I have more energy. I'm more excited. So that's something that's really helped me. And let's see. When you are in a rut, you kind of just have to give yourself space and give yourself time to express your emotions fully. Uh, There's another resource that I'll share with everyone. It's called the five categories of self-care. And so a lot of times when we see self-care on social media and in ads, it's like sheet masks, candles, but that's just one category of self-care. That's sensory self-care, but there's also emotional self-care. There's physical self-care, there's spiritual self-care. So um, with that, just give yourself space to do what you need and um, practice self-care in those moments when you're facing challenges. You, you mentioned therapy. Is there an agenda when you go in there or is it more just, I'm just going to talk and just kind of share what I'm feeling today. And then, you know, they'll ask some questions back and forth. What's, what's that like? What's the, what can people expect if they go get therapy or, or if they look into it? Yeah, it's so it's a different experience for everyone. But I think therapy is one of those things that you kind of get what you put in to it as well. Like you get what you put in out of it. Is that how you say it? Um, So usually what I do is um, I kind of prepare just a little bit by just reflecting on my week or if it's been like a week since I last talked to my therapist or two weeks, I just reflect on that period of time and just write down some of the things that have happened, the highs and the lows, and then just talk to her about those things. And also we just, we discuss. And then what I do that's been really helpful is I ask her to give me homework assignments. So these are like worksheets or thought exercises. And that really helps me to take what we talk about in this session and apply it into my actual life. 
So that's something that I would recommend for therapy. Ask your therapist for homework. I know it sounds weird, but... (laughs) Well, no, that's a good point. And and what about, um, like, how did you choose your therapist? Did you go, was it just like one person got recommended or did you kind of go through a, a multiple folks to be able to figure out the best one? Yeah, so I found this place called, it's called Thriveworks and it's an, it's a website. Sorry, <laughs> it's a website platform where you get connected to different therapists and you can put specific things that you're looking for, whether it's help with managing anxiety or if you're having trouble with sleep, you can just type those in and it'll match you. The algorithm or the software will help match you to the right person or give you options of people that might be a good fit. So that's Thriveworks. And then I've also used BetterHelp in the past too. Those are both really great. Okay. So what do you, um, what do you, you got a lot of stuff going on right now. What are you prioritizing let's say over the next six months or year, is there a certain one or two focus points for you or are you just you trying to do everything? Oh man. <laughs> that, so I like this question a lot and your questions have been amazing. Um, so the next six months, I, well, I'm finishing up school next December. So that'll be something I'm working on. I am, I've been really doing a lot of speaking lately, which I'm really excited and grateful for. So doing more speaking engagements in the next few months, more writing, and I'm interning, haven't announced this yet, but I'm interning with Microsoft over the summer. And I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm moving to Seattle for a few months. And then before that, me and my friend are taking a 10 day trip. Uh, We haven't decided yet, but we're going out of the country, which I haven't been out of the country in like two years. So I'm really looking forward to change of environment, new cultures and everything. So. Wow. Congrats. What will you be doing at Microsoft? I'll be doing finance. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned I'm studying finance in school. Okay. Is that kind of the avenue you think you'll go down is more, you know, we talk about making that impact and and kind of helping folks. Do you think it'll be on a more of a financial literacy standpoint then? That's yeah. That's one of the areas I'm really passionate about. Okay, what uh, I, I guess I'll ask you then if I can. Maybe maybe we'll end on this, but and I'm, I'm maybe I'll put you on the spot. This and you know if you want to think about it, you can always you know get back to me. But like, what are some areas then? Again, let let's talk about the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, because I talk with enough folks that are older than me, and I know a lot of folks are set in their ways and kind of like, nope, I'm going to do this and this, and I'm going to save for retirement. I'm, gonna, and I know the younger generation has a lot different thought process, mm-hmm. especially on finances and stuff. So, what are you seeing out there? Is there any coaching you give for folks your age or even mm-hmm. younger uh, parents, maybe that have teenagers or younger kids, how they can coach um, mm-hmm. their kids even more? Anything specific or from a financial standpoint? Yes. So the biggest tip I can give is open a Roth IRA and start investing. If you're under 18, your parents can open a custodial account for you. And that's honestly the best way to get started with investing. And um, once you open that account, invest in index funds. So they have index funds where you can invest in the total market. And you can also invest in the top 500 companies through an index fund. And when you look at that account, just in a few years, you'll be surprised to see how amazing it's done. So that's something that has helped me. And that's something that I tell all my mentees as well. It's just open your Roth, invest. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is your, what is your stance on digital assets going forward? Like cryptocurrencies? Cryptocurrencies. Yes, we can call them that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, so I personally think that there's a lot of potential and it's really cool to see all these new innovations that are happening with Web3 and DeFi and all of that. And so my personal 
my personal stance on it is it's good to have some exposure to that in your portfolio. Uh, this is not investment advice, but I personally believe that it's good to have some exposure to those assets. Yeah, none of this is, by the way, for anyone listening, is an investment advice. This is just oh. ban- banter back and forth. We're just having <laughs> conversations. It's a yeah. it's a fun conversation here between two friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this space, and again, I talk with a lot of again older folks that are you know older millennials and and even the generations above me. I'm like it. it I think it comes down to you know this is the thing when I got when I was a lot younger, when I was your age, right? I was in a ton of credit card debt because I didn't, I didn't get taught the right practices of like, no, you don't just buy everything on credit card. And, you know, like you have to have some sort of structure there. And I think it's the same thing for, um, you know, cryptocurrencies and just in general, right? Yeah. What's going on with web three and stuff is that if you don't know about it, educate yourself. You know, one thing I didn't have a ton of back, you know, 20 years ago was information. Now there's plenty of information, right? You just sent, you're like, hey, go to tell there's a TED talk here on sleep. Like we just pull up quickly. Like there's all that information if you want to learn it. So to your point, I would just encourage everyone, go search a little bit. Instead of being afraid of it, go actually put some time and an energy and just see what's out there. Yeah, get get accustomed to hearing it and and seeing what it's about and how it works, the utility behind it, you know? Exactly. I will admit that when I first heard about these cryptocurrencies, I was a bit skeptical. And that's okay. To your point, if you're skeptical, if you're curious about something, try to do some more digging, try to learn more about it. You don't learn about these topics in school. So you kind of have to use your resources like the internet and books and YouTube videos, TED Talks. Is that something I'm not I'm not pressing a a certain spot here, but like is that because I know if I remember your sister Deborah is big into education, right? And and, yes. and for, do you see some sort of overlap down the road of education, the financial literacy? You guys working together on something, or possibly? Maybe. We've talked about this a lot. Oh, okay, cool. That'd be yeah. fun. That'd be fun. We're both very passionate about you know just teaching people more about things that we wish we learned in school, like financial literacy, for example. So there's so many topics that I feel like could really help people: taxes, credit all that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they don't teach this younger. I, I really don't. Because again, I look at having a nine-year-old, but also going through the ringer a few, you know, whatever, you know, 20 years ago was like, if you teach folks younger about this, well, now all of a sudden, maybe we don't get into the position that we're in today. Mm-hmm. Um, all this financial debt and, and all this stuff that people struggle with. Well, it's because they made choices partly because we were we didn't have the, all the information, you know, the information's out there. If we can give it to folks in a, a digestible format, you yeah. know, it could be a game changer, you know? Absolutely. That's so, so, so true. So true. It needs to be more accessible. People need to know how important it is. And yeah, that's, that's what I hope to see. That's my, one of my visions. <laughs> so when you all start that, you come back on the podcast, we'll talk about it. We'll get the two of you all together. And, and <laughs> um, anything else, any, any other things on your mind, thoughts, insights for the audience listening in, anything else you'd share that's might be helpful? So one thing that I would love to share as a piece of advice is don't self-reject. Um, a lot of times we have these big goals and things that we want to do. And we think like, oh, I don't know if I can, if I'd be selected for that, or I don't know if I'm good enough for that. No, you have to just apply for that job, apply for that opportunity, whatever it is, go for it. And that's why I really like the topic of your podcast. Just go for it. Just start, you know? So that's the yeah. advice that I would give people. Would you say that most folks are, bef- instead of asking, they're just making the assumption like, oh, they're going to say no, or they're not going to, yeah. is that, that pretty much it? 
Yeah. So it, it kind of requires a little bit of self-belief to apply to an opportunity, to start your own business, to write a book, whatever it is that you want to do it kind of takes self-belief and self-confidence. So, um, and I think, so I talk about this in the book, I, I know we're like running up at one time, but confidence is something that is actually a skill. We often think that confidence is something that you either have or you don't, but it's something that you don't develop over time. So as you put yourself out there, as you go for whatever it is that you want to achieve, you become more confident, you build that skill of confidence. So that's something that I want to share with other people. And I wish more people knew. Do you do anything to give yourself confidence or to learn? Like, do you, do you challenge yourself to do things outside your comfort zone randomly or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of, I'm really inspired by Alexa Curtis. I believe she's also a next gen as well, but she's the founder of the Be, Be Fearless Summit. And her whole, her whole ethos is about pushing herself and being fearless and going out of your comfort zone. So one thing that she does is she, every week she does something that makes her uncomfortable. So she went rock climbing the other day. Um, and that was really inspiring yeah. to me to start thinking about what are some things I can do to make myself uncomfortable. And then as a result of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations or pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, that's how you grow. Yeah. Small world. So Alexi actually was on the podcast. I met her down in Austin a few weeks back when I was in Austin. Wow. She lives in Austin now. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah she's, she's doing incredible. Yeah. Again, it's one of those like, and, and her journey, as you probably know, right. Blogging when she was 12 and then kind of, you know, kind of moving up the ranks there and just, and, and it comes back to, you know, again, work ethic, being understand that you're probably going to get rejected, that you're probably going to get told no, but keep pushing forward, you know, keep pushing the envelope and saying, no, this is something I believe in. Again, going back to, you know, your visionaries, your one word, if that's your belief, if that's your North star, well, then you keep pushing forward and don't mm -hmm. take no for an answer. But mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know yeah. what someone once told me? Sorry. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, it just made me think. So someone said, no, sometimes means next opportunity. Um, and that's something that I think about all the time when I face rejection. Um, I have a journal entry on rejection because I remember I applied for this grant for a project I was working on and I made it to the final round and I got rejected. It was a very, very competitive process. And I remember feeling so sad about it. And I journaled and I remembered what someone told me that no, sometimes means next opportunity. And so, yeah, that's something that. That's a great point. Yeah. I really like that actually. Yeah. Because it's all, it's all mindset really, because we don't know, we can't go down that alternate path and what it would have been if we got the yes. So we just have to have a positive mindset that, Hey, this next direction, well, I, I'm going to make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if we have that, you know, that opportunistic look on it, all of a sudden it probably works out. Right. Yeah, you exactly. So um, if, if folks want to say hello to you online, where's the best spot? So I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, the handle is my first name and last name and Twitter. And you can also reach out to me by email too. Miracle, this is a lot of fun. I know we jumped around like 20 different spots, which is always <laughs> fun, but just good to just chat and kind of, you know, kind of understand where your head's at, where you've come from, how you're thinking about it and, and ultimately where you're headed, which is always fun for folks to hear that are, you know, trying to get inspired to get started. So thanks again for, uh, for coming on. Really enjoyed the conversation and uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
Hey everyone, just one more quick thing before you skip along in your day. You know, if you do enjoy this content or other things that I've put out, or just enjoy learning more and trying to adapt your thinking uh, to become happier each and every day, there's a couple of things that you may benefit from. Um, if you go to my website, brianandreco.com forward slash subscribe, you can sign up for my newsletter that goes out once a week. And that's really a digest of a lot of information that I gather throughout the weeks, whether it's a new video that I think could be informative or a podcast that's been valuable to me, book that I might read, etc. Um, secondly, I blog three times a week, and these are more micro blogs, one to five minute reads, short digestible blogs that'll send right to your inbox on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. So check that out on my website, brianandreco.com forward slash subscribe, if you think it's something you might enjoy. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.